0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Around the Crease, episode eighty-two. This week we have John Oderna. He's the associate head coach at the University of Manhattan, and we're talking recruiting. And we're starting now. I'm here with uh, Coach John Oderna. He's the uh, associate head coach at Manhattan. At a New York coach. Thank you for joining the podcast this week. I really appreciate it.
1: All right, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to answer some questions and hopefully shed a little light on the recruiting circuit.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I get a number of questions about it over past like few months. Again, I've really kind of geared into getting people to give me what they think and what they want to know um, about, you know, various things. Some of it's a little bit surprising to me, but you know, the number one thing question I've constantly gotten from, from people is how do they know which, which events to attend? Obviously it's, There's a lot to choose from. There's a lot going on. I mean, you guys know you guys have to make all those same decisions about which events to attend. But if you're talking to a a player or a parent, um, what kind of advice would you give them as far as, like, how should they go about picking which events to attend?
1: Sure, sure. I think uh, cost efficiency is key for everyone, right? It's about managing time and your resources and and finding the stuff that's going to be the best bang for your buck. Um, so I do think doing some r- research on events, you know, not all events are created equal. Um, there's going to be different coaches, different schools, uh, different styles of events, you know, doing your research. Uh, these events love to brag about what schools are attending or who has been there in the past. Um, so, you know, do a little research, see what type of schools have been, in, been there in the past. You know, maybe you have a certain type of school you're looking for. Um, what does the event offer? Do they have a recruiting talk? Do they do instruction? Is it straight up games the whole time? Um, I think that stuff's really important. Um, And, you know, I think the big thing too is burnout is real. You know, I don't think uh, playing in every single event from the beginning of June to the end of July is, is conducive to your success on the field. You know, we joke around as coaches, uh, you know, in July, by, by the end of July, I've seen the same kid play in 17 events and he was a world beater in the first three. And then by event 17, he can barely pick up his legs on the field. So, you know, I do think that's, something definitely worth evaluating, you know, try not to stack too many events on top of each other, you know, five events in five days, you might come out hot early. And then by that last game of the last event, you're, you don't have it. That might be the first time a coach has seen you play. So, yeah. um, you know, I think the big thing with picking events is give yourself the best chance to succeed. Um, you know, if there's two events you really want to get to. Uh, if they're not back-to-back, try not to put something in the middle. Or, you know, if they are back-to-back, try to give yourself a break either on the front end or the back end and give yourself the best chance to play. So yeah. um, I do think that's key. And and then the, the last thing I would say is, you know, consider prospect days. I think if there are certain schools that you're really interested in, the best way to show that you're interested uh, is to show up on campus and play in an event if the coach has a prospect day. You know, I know the amount of guys we've recruited over the years that we didn't even know who they were. And they showed up at a prospect camp, and, you know, we look at each other like, did you invite that kid? Who is who is that? And, you know, we meet about the guys after, and we're like, well, he just showed up. He's obviously somewhat interested in our program. So, you know, that's a little bit different than showing up at a, uh, you know, I've heard you talk about in your other podcasts, you know, the NHSLS is a huge event, and there's yeah. a million teams there. You know, any kid on any team, they could either be interested or not interested at all in my school. But if you're at a prospect day, I assume that everyone that shows up at our prospect <laughs> camp is interested in my school. So, right. Um, you know, I do think those are a great way to show interest to a staff, too, if that's something that you're uh, open to and if it fits into your schedule. So Yeah.
0: And, I mean, it's one of those things, like, with recruiting, like, I know the kids always like, you know, they're, I think, you know, when September 1, now with the new rule, like, they like to get that, that first call and see the interest. But, I mean, you guys, like, you guys want to see the interest, you know, from the players as well. So, it's like that's that extra step of, you know, coming to your prospect camp, because, you know, I I hear various people asking about the camps and stuff like that, and I think that's easier for you guys to kind of identify, like, these are the guys that are serious. Like, these are the guys that, you know, want to be here. They've probably done, you know, it's a little bit of research on Manhattan or whatever school they're at, so you kind of get that little bit of leg up to be like, all right, you know, this kid may be a little bit, you know, a few steps ahead of maybe some where some of his peers are. And, I mean, sometimes it's the little thing that can kind of put you that much further ahead of, you know, playing at a college and not playing at a college
1: absolutely i mean i'll use the success story a guy on our team he was uh he's a junior now but he was a first team all mac goalie as a sophomore and he was a guy that we recruited uh you know out of high school where he was a goalie and you know we were looking at a bunch of guys that we were trying to track down and and we had you know three prospect days one in the spring and two in the summer and he just kept showing up <laughs> and kept putting himself on our radar and we were like I mean, he obviously really wants to be here. If he keeps coming back to these camps, this is you know this is this is place where he wants to be. You know, he obviously has decided that this is a school that he's really interested in, and we got to give him a serious look. And when it all shook out, he ended up being here, and all of a sudden, he's a first-team All-MAC goalie. So, yeah. you know, had he not shown up to a couple of those camps, I don't know if we would have recruited him. In all honesty, and you know, I'm not saying that as a, a plug for Manhattan College prospect camps. You know, I'm sure that story exists for every program in the country in, in some way, shape, or form. So I do think that's a great way to show interest. But on the on the back, uh, bigger scale, to back it up a little bit, I do think, you know, map out your summer. Look at what events there are and where they are and, and maybe pick four or five or, you know, if you have your club team playing in your tournaments and maybe pick like one or two showcases you want to go to, two that you think you can show really well. Maybe it's a weekend you have off with your club team um you know or if it fits you know you guys might be playing in a tournament in maryland and there's a showcase on monday tuesday in virginia and you Mm -hmm. can get to it you know those are always good opportunities depending on what coaches are there so you know i think there's there's no shortage of opportunities as far as events and and realistically i could go recruit every single day from june 1st to july 30th except for the dead period in the middle for division one um you know, there's always something, but try not to do everything. You want to give yourself your best chance to succeed.
0: Yeah, and it, it's kind of funny because uh, I recently posted – it was a quote like I did with uh, Coach Petro from Hopkins. Like, I did the interview a few years ago, but I posted one of those little uh, quote blocks on uh, Instagram the other day. And it's it's the most obvious quotes. Like, if you're in front of college coaches, play your best, play your hardest. Um, and everybody that made the comment they're like, well, you know, duh, kind of thing. Like, why wouldn't you? But I think that kind of speaks a little bit to what you're saying is like burnout is real. Like if you've done 17 tournaments, if you've done a tournament every week, like you may be a little bit tired. And so you may not be at your physical best. And again, that like you said, that might be the first time a college coach has seen you. So it may not be like, you know, you don't want to play. Like I don't think any kid goes out there and they're not traveling halfway across the country or even like getting up in the morning to go spend all day in, you know, 98 degree heat in Baltimore in the middle of the summer to you know not play their best but if you've been doing it every day or every week for an extended period of time like you're 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 also human like you're you're going to wear yeah. it out and wear wear down so i think like you said efficiency um giving yourself the best opportunity to play your best and succeed and impress the people you're trying to impress um, okay. which kind of actually just leads us into our second question um you know they've so they've picked their prospect day they've kind of identified the one maybe they've seen seen like you know i'm interested in manhattan and they usually attend this event. Like, but you know, then they got to take that next step. Is like, how do they get your attention? Like, how do they get the attention of a college coach? Like, what what do they need to do to kind of take that that
1: step? Sure, I think there's a, a variety of things, and I'll try to touch them all. But you know, I think first and foremost, athleticism and size jumps out. Um, you know, a guy can be standing on the sideline and he looks like a big, strong kid, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, wow, that's a big kid. I wonder if he can play. Um, you know, so I think there's some degree of that. Now, if you're not six foot four and 200 pounds, that doesn't mean that you're negatively going to be evaluated either. Um, you know, that's just something that I can walk by a field and and notice size. So that's an easy one on the surface. Um, you know, the next part, and this one's probably the most important um, is lacrosse skill. Do you have stick skills? Can you shoot if you're an offensive player? Are you really one handed um, defensively? Can you guard? Can you pick up ground balls? What's your lacrosse IQ? Are you uh, communicating with your teammates? You know, are you a guy when I'm watching guys for our program, is this a guy that's going to help us be organized or is this a guy that's just not going to say anything and let the chips fall, you know? And I think you can separate yourself uh, positively by showing off what you know on the field. If you're a guy that gets your teammates organized, I don't think there's a program in the country that doesn't want a guy that communicates at a really high level. You know, we'll we'll find a role for that guy in a lot of ways. Um, You know, so I do think that's a major positive and a chance to show off. If you understand what's happening, make it clear, make it obvious, you know, I think that's a way to separate yourself beyond athleticism or size. Um, you know. And the and the next part of the lacrosse skills, do you make the right play? You know, Are you a guy that's going to look for your own and, and dodge and then draw a slide but then dodge the slide and then try to run through a third guy and hope that you can get a goal? Uh, or are you going to be the guy that just makes the right play? Maybe you, you pick up a ground ball and you move it right away off the ground because that's the correct play. Or, or you do draw a slide but you're able to move it, not try to run through the slide guy. Mm-hmm. That's the correct play, I think. Coaches are constantly looking for guys that know how to play at a high level, um, you know, and those are opportunities to show your skills. You know, I think, uh, I think people often fall down the trap of, you know, you're going to, coaches associate, uh, you know, success with, it's got to be goals and assists every time. You, you'd be stunned the amount of times, you know, the guy gets the hockey assist, or, you know, he picks up the tough ground ball in the defensive end as a midfielder, gets the ball up the field, and that leads to transition. And, Guys look at each other like, I want the guy that picked up the ground ball, you know, the guy that scored the goal <laughs> in the easy part. You know, and I, I think that that's something that gets lost in the shuffle a lot. So, you know, are you consistently making the right play? Um, and then I will say this is the most important one. Do you have a motor? You know, to us as coaches, you know, we can teach you lacrosse skills, especially at the Division One level. We have so much time with our guys where we work on skills uh, and techniques and schemes and concepts. You know, motor is hard to teach. Guys wanting to play hard. Yeah. Uh, willing to be make a tough play. Willing to dive. Willing to do something to, for the team. Um, you know, I think those are the things that separate guys and will move you up a list. Maybe you're slightly less skilled than the other guy, but you can jump them by being uh, a higher motor, higher uh, energy player. And, you know, I think um, the one thing that I'll say is because we do have so much time with guys, high motor guys generally have higher ceilings in college because, mm-hmm. you know, I'd rather take, the guy that's good but will do anything to be uh, excellent versus the guy who's great and is happy to be great. You know, I think that's, um, you know, the guy, the motor guy, will push himself to be the best he can be over a four-year career. Um, And then the last part, you know, I think coaches evaluate everything. You know, what type of teammate are you? You know, are you spacing out on the sideline while your team's playing and your team scores a goal and you look and you're like, wait, what happened? I wasn't even paying attention. Or are you the guy that's like being pulled back from the bench because you're celebrating your teammate scoring a goal or, you know, a guy gives you an assist, maybe you sting the corner, but rather than making it about you, you run right over, you give that guy a hug and a high five because he made the play for you. You know, I think those are the things uh, that coaches, we're constantly evaluating and, you know, we're trying to find the guys that we can either build our culture around or, or guys that will fit into the culture that we've built. Um, you know, and I think that's a really important factor. You a guy that's spiking your water bottle on the sideline because you missed the shot or you're slamming your stick while the ball goes the other way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think those energy plays and, and those guys that are great teammates are guys that we are always looking for as coaches.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting you mentioned, you know, the guy spiking the water bottle or slamming the stick, like, especially the water bottle guy, because he's probably not on the field. And, you know, it's worth noting that you guys are watching everything like they he might not be on the field but if you guys have any inkling that might be a player like you guys are watching everything they do you're not just evaluating their on the field skills but all those other little things and that spike in the water ball that could be the thing that be like oh maybe that's not the guy yeah. <laughs> it's like and you
1: know you watch a guy a few times and you see like the stick slam and then the water bottle spike then he's yelling at his teammates you're like okay well now we're starting to see a body of work here yeah um you know i, I mean maybe I don't mind a little passion, maybe one water bottle spike. I've done it. Right. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, consistently being a great teammate will always uh, uh, put you in a better spot.
0: So. yeah i mean again we're we're human and again we're talking about you know 16 17 18 year old kids were you know mo- i mean i was an emotional guy when i was a kid i'm sure you know when i was playing sports like i probably beat myself up a few times for you know missing a ground ball or something like that when i was playing uh baseball like you know you drop you, you drop a easy thing and you, you do it but it's also how you respond to that like does it continue to bother you You're thinking about it the next you know on the next play or you just all right, brush it off go on congratulate your teammate, or are you showing a pattern there
1: of, you know... Honestly, that's a great point, just to touch on that, because it's something we actually talk about with the guys in our program, too, is like, you know, maybe you do make a mistake, and your reaction instead of spiking the water bottle, maybe you go ride the ball back, or you know maybe you come to the sideline and again we're on the sidelines a lot of times you come to the sideline and you know something like hey boys that's on me but i got the next one you know that's something where as a coach i might make a note and be like wow that's a really mature kid yeah. um you know he knows he made a mistake but he's ready to move on and you know he feels for his teammates hey i got the next one guys trust me i'm i'm good yeah um you know i think that's stuff that we coach guys on our team to do um you know and the the faster you can get that as part of your uh brain power and, and your repertoire I think that's a good thing to have so yeah
0: and I mean I, I, I hear it all the time from coaches it seems like it's always it seems to be the little things can make the almost the biggest difference um, in a recruiting because I mean I've, I've covered recruiting at various sports throughout my career and you know there's really probably not a lot of difference between the number 42 guy and the number you know 52 guy there's there's, you know, it's, it's a 10-digit difference, you know, in the inside lacrosse rankings, but there's going to be a very thin line between, like, which is the better player, and so whatever you can yeah. do, like, 52 can make himself a lot better recruit just by, you know, paying attention to the little things that you do and how you handle yourself and the way you're presenting yourself, um, especially when you're in front of, the, you know, guys like you, in front of those, like, because you guys are seeing... Everything like people, people like to think to be like, oh, they miss this kid. Like you guys, this is your job. <laughs> like you know, you probably guys probably yeah. don't miss a whole lot. Like you, uh
1: at least you we know, try not to. We yeah. try not to.
0: And plus, you guys have your own recruiting stuff. Like we won't get into all, all the specifics, but you know, you guys are looking for certain things, I'm sure as well. Like you know, holes you have in your team and things you're looking for. And like, you're, like, do you need a motor guy? Do you not have that guy that's the gonna be kind of the glue to be like, this is a guy that can really kind of bring the team together. Or do you already have that guy? It's like, all right, we you know. Of course, the I guess you can never have too many of those guys either. But, <laughs>
1: Give it, like, yeah, clone me a group of motor guys, and yeah. you know, we'll teach them. we I'll take them. Yeah, there you go.
0: Um, so we kind of talked about that, and but uh, again, one of the questions I get, and obviously, it's for for kids in a certain um, area, but for you know, obviously, with so many events in like Baltimore and East Coast, and I mean, we're coming up into the fall season. I know the the Philly Showcase is a big one coming up. So again. It's the, that corridor, 95 corridor. Um, so for the East Coast guys, is it any different um, for players to get noticed on the East Coast versus, you know, the Midwest where I'm located or the Southeast or the West? Like, is that process any different? Sure.
1: Um, you know, what, what I'll say is, and I say this all the time, recruiting is a bit of an inexact science. So, um, you know, I don't think one size fits all, and that includes geography. But what I'll say is yes and no um where it makes a difference is guys on the east coast generally will just have more organic opportunities to be noticed and uh what i mean by that is you know late in our season or when our season wraps up uh you know there's still high school lacrosse being played out here and and it's their season so Mm -hmm. you know we're not uh we're not hopping on a plane necessarily to fly to california for some high school games um or at least not yet uh but you know for for new jersey or long island or even upstate new york you know it's easy for us to hop on the road and grab a chipotle burrito and sit down and watch a couple games on the road you know we'll schedule it out on long island we might hit a four o'clock and a seven o'clock game so we catch extra games and those are organic opportunities that you know the the recruit is not really doing anything extra he's showing up in his high school regular season game but we have an opportunity to get there and you know the unfortunate reality is most of the schools are located on the east coast so um you know i'll say that's where maybe it's a little bit different there might be more organic opportunities but Um, you know, going back to the summer or fall recruiting circuit, you know, if you are able to make it to showcases and you can play, the coaches will notice you, you know, they're there to see the best players. And regardless of where you're from, you know, there's no stigma. Well, he's from fill in the blank, non-hotbed. You know, I, I don't know if he's good enough. You know, if you're, if you're standing out on a field at any event, um, coaches will take note. Um, you know, I don't care if you're from Long Island, Chicago, Kansas, the moon, doesn't matter. If you can play, we'll coach you. Um, you know, and now what I will say is going back to our, that first talking point is you might need to create some opportunities by finding events and picking events where you're going to get maximum exposure or exposure to schools that you're really interested in. Um, but you know, you can create more of those opportunities in the summer. The schedule is a little more flexible. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of events, especially in the summer, sometimes in the fall. Um, so you can kind of close that gap, um, by hitting some of those mainstream events and, and getting in front of coaches, because like I said, if you can ball, uh, we'll recruit you. We don't care where you're from.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure it kind of speaks, mentioned that, that first talking point, like the efficiency. Like, if you're, you know, you're going to be in Baltimore, you know, and I know we also talked about not burning yourself out, but, you know, if you only have, you know, not everybody's going to be able to travel, you know, three months out of the year for, for that summer recruiting. But if you can get to, like, maybe a prospect camp and a, a showcase camp, and, like, you can do that stuff in, like, a 10 day span, depending on what your your schedule allows, like, you can kind of maximize um, that opportunity as well. Like, you know, you don't necessarily have to just go for, for one, one event and then call it a day and then travel back. Like you can always kind of, a little bit of planning can kind of help you out in that process as well.
1: No question. No question. Exactly. You know, I think if you, you hit the tournament on the weekend and you can hit a prospect day or two, you know, I've, I've talked to kids, I've seen them at recruiting events from, You know, one weekend I was in Maryland, and then a week later I was in Massachusetts, and I saw the same guy from California at both events. Um, They they tell the story of, well, you know, we played down at this event, um, and then Monday I hit this school's prospect camp in the Mid Atlantic, and then Thursday I hit this prospect camp in New England. Uh, You know, we did a little sightseeing on Tuesday, Wednesday, got off my feet a little bit, maybe didn't play lacrosse, uh, and now I'm at my tournament with my club team on Saturday, Sunday. So, I do think going into the summer with a plan, especially if you're from one of those non-hotbed areas, uh, will help you maximize yourself a little bit. But again, I don't, I don't think being noticed uh, is different. It's just a matter of maybe the opportun- the number of opportunities to be noticed might be slightly different. Yeah,
0: and you might have to just kind of, you know, create, like you said, create your opportunities when when you can't, when you have it. Like you know, again, it's kind of you know what season the bull by the horns kind of things. Like when you when you're in front of the guys, like play play your best, do your best, and do those little things do, to make, you know, uh, control the stuff you can't control. Like, you know, you can't, you can't control where you live. You can't control what high school you play for. If you live in the Midwest or the West, but you know, when you're in front of you guys, like that's the stuff you can't control. And then.
1: Absolutely. And one other thing I will mention, you just stoked my brain here a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I do, I do think, uh, you know, if you're in one of those non non-hot, non hotbed areas, you know, use your club coach, use your high school coach. You know, if you're, Plan for a club part of their job description is to help you um you know so having your club coach reach out to some schools that you might be interested in and just you know do a temperature check and if they haven't seen you hey this is a guy that's coming to your area or he'll be at this event really interested in your school please just give him an opportunity you know i don't know many schools in the country that have a guy interested their coach reaches out and then and they're like no i'm not going to watch him you know most of the time Coaches are like, oh, that's great. You know, I'm not sure who that is, but if I'm there, I'll definitely watch him. So I do think using uh, your club coach and, and even your high school coach as a, as a lifeline there and have him shoot an email. Hey, coach, you know, so-and-so is going to be in this area. Hopefully you guys are making it out to the showcase at this place. Uh, he's really interested in your school. I think he's definitely worth a look. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely put you on somebody's radar uh, a little bit faster. That'll that'll streamline your process. And uh, you know, every time we get one of those, I'm like, all right, I better go see so and so from Georgia. I want to make sure that he's getting his money's worth. And if he's a guy we need to be seeing, and the coach swears by him, I gotta see him. Yeah. Um. You know, I do think that's important.
0: Yeah. I mean, every every kid listening to this, or every parent should be listening. To this like you you don't have to do it alone. Like you said, club coach, or high school coach, like these guys. M- most of the coaches I talk to, like they're more than happy to help the kids. Like if you're like, hey, I really want to go to Manhattan, do you mind reaching out? Every little bit helps. Like, don't be ashamed. Like, don't feel like you can't ask. Obviously, (laughs) you know, it's one of those, like, no no one's going to fault you for that. Like, at some point, you're going to have to do the recruiting yourself. You're going to have to do it. You have to step up and be the person. You don't want to talk to the club coach or the high school coach the whole time. But, you know, any leg up you can. Like, use all your opportunities, all your assets, everything you have at your disposal. It's just, just being a smart player, smart recruit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, it's a very important thing.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned – we actually kind of perfect segue into the the next question is, you know, at, at what point – because I know with the rule change, it's September 1st of their junior year before, like, you guys are allowed to, to contact players and, and talk to them. But, you know, for – I know the, the 23s and the guys, like, how early should a player um, start trying to get in front of you guys? Like, get your attention, even if it's just an email to say, hey, you know – I'm interested in Manhattan, even though if you can't respond back, like at what point should a kid kind of start trying to make that point of contact if they're interested?
1: Sure, sure. So I'm going to go sideways for a second and then I'm going to come back. I'm a <laughs> long Island, Italian guy, I'm a tangent machine. I like to talk. So I apologize in advance, but uh, at least I have the disclaimer that I'm going on a tangent one. <laughs> uh, so what I'll say is and I think I'll echo what most college coaches believe. The new rules are awesome. Um, you know, I think we're, where they're unique is they allow, you know, the guys that are freshmen and sophomores in high school uh, to focus on developing and improving. You know, you don't need to be at every recruiting showcase as a freshman in high school. That's a great opportunity to show up at events that have an instructional segment. Um, you know, we talk about putting tools in your tool belt. You know, you, maybe you, you go to an instructional camp or a camp that has an instructional component and you're getting exposed to college lacrosse coaches. Well, they're going to teach you skills that college lacrosse coaches want to see when they're recruiting um, you know, so if you can expose yourself to events like that, uh, especially kind of a, a backing into the answer to your question, well, if there's an instructional component, it's a great opportunity to get to work firsthand with a coach at a school you might be interested in. So there is an opportunity to do that, and it's not really a loophole loophole in the rules because it's under the guise of you know we're playing lacrosse, we're teaching lacrosse, mm-hmm. uh, you're learning skills that apply to college lacrosse, but it is an opportunity for us to interact in a way that is legal by the new rule standards. So, You know, we kind of get a feel for you a little bit. You get a feel for us. Um, And then what I'll say is, as far as reaching out to schools, um, you know, I think if you're a freshman, sure, if you want to reach out to some schools, let them know that they're on your radar. That's good. Um, But, you know, bear in mind that a lot of us at every level are still recruiting juniors and Mm -hmm. some are even still recruiting seniors. Yeah. Um, You know, so if you're a freshman, you're not necessarily going to be the guy that's on the forefront of our brain. Um, But if you want to reach out via email, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, sophomores, I'll say that's a good time to start reaching out and just let coaches know, you know, the facts, who, what, when, where, why, here's who I am. Here's what position I play, maybe what class I'm in. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, when are, when are you playing, you know, where can I see you? If I do want to watch, um, where are you playing and, and why are you interested? You know, if you're interested in my school, I'm interested because of this major. I'm interested because of the proximity of New York city, you know, don't, don't email me and say, you know, I'm really interested uh, in Manhattan College because I want to be in the middle of nowhere. You know, that doesn't show that you really did a whole lot of research on my institution. And, you know, as much as uh, recruits want to feel like they're getting personalized emails, coaches feel the same way. We want to feel like you did research, you're interested in the school, there's investment on your end. You're not just uh, coach O'Derna and every other Division One lacrosse school. I'm interested in your school. I really care about your school, but you don't mention the name of the school. You don't mention why you're interested. Right, you right. don't even mention my name in some of the emails. <laughs> you will get the high, the high coach. I'm interested in your inter- <laughs> university. Um, you know, hat Manhattan College. So yeah. immediately the red <laughs> flags go up. Um, you know, so I think, uh, you know, for any school, you know, the best thing you can do is. As a freshman or sophomore, just say, hey, coach, you know, I'm starting to look at schools. Yours is one that's of interest to me. Here's why, you know, and I know it's early, but here's where I'll be playing. Here's my position, Um, you know, and here's a little bit about me. You know, it doesn't need to be a novel, uh, but, you know, a little bit about who you are, why you're interested. I think that's stuff that that coaches really care a lot about.
0: Yeah, and I think to your point, like when you're – um, when you're doing that kind of more personalized email and you show that you've done some research in the college, like, again, it's a, it's an investment on their part for you, but you guys are also investing something in them and you don't want to recruit someone and then find out like, Oh, they don't really want to be here. They just maybe, you know, and I hear it a lot, like it's D1 or bust. Like if I don't go D1, I don't want to play lacrosse. And you know, that's, you know not to say there's not kids that you guys wouldn't take or some college wouldn't take that has that mentality, but then also it's like, well, you don't want to get them here and then find out I'm like, oh they you know this isn't the fit like they didn't really want to be here, like yeah, they can play d one but d one that's a range i mean i I went to Mount St Mary's that is very different from Ohio State, <laughs> like you know not all not all d one schools or the atmospheres are are created equal in that respect, like you know you have a personality like do you want small or do you want? Big or do you want middle? Like there's there's factors other than just the level at which you want to play that will play into your decision making.
1: No question. And the other thing I'll add too, uh, it's always good to add a highlight video if you have one. Um, you know that's an opportunity for us. Maybe you're someone that isn't on our radar, especially if you're one of the younger guys. You're probably not right now. You might be, um, but more often than not, you know you're kind of popping up on our radar. You can include a highlight video too. That kind of gives us a quick glimpse into you as a player. Um, you know, and I, and I think, the the thing that I always advise for highlight videos, and I think, um, you know, I just like to mention, I like good music. Some coaches will say they mute it. They don't care. Um, I like good music. So, you know, throw on whatever good jams you got. I always appreciate that. We crank it up in the office. It's a good one. Um, you know, I always have the option to mute if I choose. So, um, you know, it's a good chance to show a little bit of your personality there. Um, I will say, if you're going to put music in, please use the, uh, edited version of songs. You know, we don't need curses every two words. Um, and then the other thing I'll say about that, too, you know, the, Holly, or, uh, the highlight video doesn't need to be like a Hollywood epic film. Um, you know, no 10 minute film with, you know, the four minute scroll about everything that's ever happened in life. And I've got to click ahead. You know, I think if you want to put words in there about yourself, that's not bad. Um, but let's move quickly through that. I could always pause the film and read what you're putting on there. It doesn't need to be 35 seconds of straight up words the whole way. You know, I want to get to the, the meat and potatoes of the video. Uh, and I joke around about, like, the Hollywood epic film. It doesn't need to be, uh, you know, the introduction, and we kind of learn who the characters are, and then we develop the story <laughs> arc, there's the rising action, where some of your good plays, but it's not your best plays. And <laughs> that works up to your climax at minute nine, and that's where the best stuff happens. You know, for us as coaches, uh, we want to see your best stuff right out of the gate. You know, your job shouldn't be to hope I watch until minute five. It right. should be to hook me in minute one. In minute one make me watch minute two you know because there are a lot of coaches in the country that they want they want to watch one minute and be like i'm on to the next one but if you hook me in that first minute I'm like wow okay these are some really impressive highlights let me see what else he has here um i think that's really important so don't build up to like the big finish because you might lose the coach uh you know start with your best plays if you're an attackman give us a great goal give us a great assist give us a great ride right out of the gate and be like, wow, this kid can play. I want to see what else is on here. Does he have an offhand? Let me see some of those. Yeah. Um. You know, rather than here's some of my uh, my early decent stuff, and then I'm going to hit you with the good stuff down the road. You know, I know a lot of coaches. To per off time is everything, and if there's a kid that can play, we definitely want to watch. Um, but help us out by leading in with your best stuff, rather than hoping we wait till the end to see it.
0: Yeah, you don't need to put your career into a first act, second act, and third act like a movie. It's like, you know, you don't need to see exactly, the character exactly. progression. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, after 10 minutes, I hit pause. I'm going to go grab a drink. I'm going to come <laughs> back and watch the next, you know, let's get to that good stuff right away. Yeah.
0: Um, and the other question I kind of wanted to min- a- ask about is uh, social media. Obviously, we live in a day and age where social media, like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, like it's all it's all out there and all available. Like what role should that play in a potential recruits um in in their toolbox? Like, when should they use it? When should they not use it?
1: Sure. Um, What I would say about social media is, like, in a way, that's kind of like your resume uh, for us. You know, that gives us kind of a a glimpse into your life and and how you communicate and what you're putting out there about yourself. Um, You know, and I'll say, you know, our our philosophy on it here is we don't tell our guys not to post on social media. Just be smart about what you're posting. You know, when you graduate college, there's going to be a company that you're hoping to work for is going to have a person whose job is to seek through your social media and see if there's anything bad on there. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing for us. You know, we're not going to legitimately bring a guy on campus. If we Google his social media and there's a bunch of stuff we don't want to see on there, we don't know if that's the best representation of our program. So, um, you know, what I would say about the social media piece is don't be afraid to use it. Let's just be smart about how we're using it. You know, if you want to retweet sweet college lacrosse goals, by all means, do it. That shows that you're fired up about college lacrosse. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and same thing with Instagram. If you're on vacation with your family, you should throw that on Instagram. I'm <laughs> sure people would love to see that. Um, but, you know, just be smart about what you're putting up there and how you're promoting yourself uh, individually. Because, like I said, that kind of gives us a glimpse into what are you all about
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and how do you promote yourself. Because ultimately, how you promote yourself in high school will be how you promote our program when you get here.
0: Right. Okay, um, so that kind of almost a perfect segue into what non athletic factors kind of feature heavily in the recruiting process
1: Sure, I, I mean, I'll start with the the obvious one and that's gonna be academics um you know the better grades you have, the more options you're gonna have at the mm-hmm. end of the day. um you know some schools I will say on that subject not to do a deep dive into this into this concept, but uh you know some schools will award academic scholarships so You're doing yourself a favor by getting your work done in the classroom. You're setting yourself up for success. You make yourself more recruitable to more schools by having better grades. Now, upward trend is really important. You know, admissions departments aren't going to just hold it against you forever if you didn't have your best stuff your freshman year. But they do want to see improvement. They don't want to see all A's your freshman year, all A- is your sophomore year, and then B minus is your junior year. They're going to be like, what's happening? You know, this is not good. Yeah. Whereas if you show that opposite trend, you know, as a coach, if we're going to go to bat for you, we can make a compelling argument with our admissions department. Well, Hey, his best academics are actually still ahead of him. Um, you know, so I think that's a really important thing. Don't get discouraged if you don't have your best stuff early on in your career uh, academically. Um, but, you know, stay with it, keep working. Schools will look at upward trends. And I would say this is kind of the eternal battle challenge yourself with honors and AP classes, but classes that you can do well in Uh, an admissions department is not going to be impressed by a straight up course load of AP and honors classes. If you got straight C's in those classes, Mm -hmm. they want to see, they want to see you challenge yourself, but do well in the classes. So if you only can take two APs, but you're going to get a minuses in those APs only take the two APs. Um, you know, you've got to challenge yourself, but be able to set yourself up to do the best you can. Um, and then the last part about academics, I think every school in the country, regardless of our academic standards, we're looking for high-end academic students. And, and what we like to focus on here is guys that are motivated in the classroom are generally motivated in lacrosse in their, yeah. or, and in other walks of life. It should be easier to be motivated in lacrosse than in <laughs> school. Uh, you know, and I think guys that are getting it done in the classroom generally are the guys that show up to practice with a clear head because they know they're on top of their academics. You know, my, my old boss, Gene Peluso at Stevens Tech, he had a lot of really funny one-liners but he would always say, you know, we don't want you to think about lacrosse during chemistry class. And we don't want you to think about chemistry during lacrosse practice. And the same thing holds true here. We don't want you in chemistry being like, man, I got to get extra work in. I forgot to do this. I got to get this done for practice. I'm not going to be ready when I show up. You know, we want the guy that is getting his extra work in is showing up to class, being like, all right, it's time for class. Now I'm dialed into this. I'm going to crush this. And as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to move on to the next thing I got to get to. So yeah. You know, a, a good success story, for example, one of our guys, a guy who's a captain since his sophomore year, he's been a three-year captain for us. Um, Last year, he was our leading scorer and was a 3.95 GPA. So, you know, for us, that's a guy that he showed up to practice every day, knew what he needed to do to get done, and knew how to go on and get his work done outside of lacrosse. And, you know, we say it all the time, we don't want you thinking about uh investments while we're walking out on the field to play Navy. You know, yeah. we want you worried about Navy when it's time to play Navy. So. Yeah. Um, You know, I do think that's really important. Um, Shifting gears in the non-athletic factors, I think this is a huge, huge one. Control your process. To me, this is a non-athletic factor. Throughout your recruitment, are we constantly trying to track you down through your parents, or are you a guy that's going to be on the forefront that's going to communicate with us? Because for us, that gives us an indication of what it will be like to communicate with you when you are on our campus as a college athlete here. Believe it or not, we meet with every single guy on our team Every week. And no one's parents are showing up to campus for the meeting. You know, we we meet with you directly. We want to have a relationship with you directly. Uh, and it's just a good life skill. We ask our guys sometimes, you know, is are your parents going to call your boss if you're unhappy at your job? No, you've got to go to your boss. So here's a great opportunity to start working on some life skills. If you're interested in Manhattan, tell me why I want to hear it from you. I don't want to hear it from your dad who thinks it's a good idea. You're not interested, but he thinks you should be interested you can talk about that behind closed doors, but I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to talk and communicate with you directly. I want to hear from you that you're interested uh, in our program. So I think that's a really important one. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people are nervous, you know, when you're in high school. Sometimes coaches are intimidating. We're guys too. We played <laughs> lacrosse in high school. We played lacrosse before we were in high school for a lot of us. We were right where you were. This is a process that should be fun and exciting. There aren't going to be a whole lot of your times in your life where you've got men begging you to be part of their <laughs> um I promise you, no one begs me to do anything with them at this point in my yeah. life. You know, I'm still to be recruited again. Yeah. Um, you know, so as, as much as it's a pressure-filled uh, time, I, I think it's a fun and exciting time, too. And, and it's a great opportunity to, to learn some stuff about yourself. Maybe visit a campus that you say, no way, I'm not interested in this type of school. And you go there and you hit it off with the coaching staff. You walk around, and you're like, wow, I could really see myself here. Um, you know, immerse yourself in that process. Be open-minded. I think that's something that goes beyond the scope of lacrosse. So yeah. uh, controlling your process. Uh, we kind of touched social media. That's important. That I file under controlling controllables a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and this one isn't so much an, an non-athletic factor. It's a more of a non-lacrosse factor. Um, multi-sport athletes. I think those are really, really positive. Uh, big thing about being a multi-sport athlete, you get a chance to compete for a championship when you're playing football in the fall rather than just playing lacrosse all fall, when the games don't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I just a guy get used to trying to be clutch and make plays in as many situations as possible throughout whatever sport because that's the guy that we'll be able to lean on on a lacrosse field when we need him to make a play because, you know what, maybe he had to hit the game-winning three-pointer in basketball rather than just hanging out during the whole winter. Or, you know, on fourth and one, they gave him the ball, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's opportunities. Those are very hard to manufacture on your own. So playing multiple sports gives you an opportunity to learn different situations. And guess what? Our sport, what's great about it is, it's a mix of a lot of sports. So if you play soccer, if you play football, if you play hockey, if you play basketball, there's almost a 100% chance you're going to take away a skill that will directly translate to something that helps you in lacrosse. We talk about dodging, a split dodge, very similar to a crossover in basketball. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of things that, that directly apply um and even the bigger one is you learn to play different roles you might be the star of your lacrosse team you might be just a guy on your basketball team you might be the sixth man that comes in and gives great minutes but you're coming off the bench but you know you're going to be in the game you're engaged you're ready to play you might play that role as a freshman or a sophomore in your college program if you get recruited to a really good program there aren't a lot of freshmen that get on the field right away so i do think that's something that playing multiple sports gives you an opportunity to learn um, and you know, obviously taking advantage of that and using those opportunities um, to to learn a little bit about yourself as an athlete. And sorry, I have one more for you, Mike, because I'm giving you my money's worth on this uh, show.
0: That's what we like uh, to hear.
1: <laughs> multi-sport athletes generally have higher ceilings when they get to college because they never focused on lacrosse full time before. There's less burnout about our sport. You know, I know guys that played only lacrosse and they get to college and they're like, "All right, this is actually a harder version of what I've been doing for a long time." Whereas if you play football and basketball or you play just football, a lot of times when guys get the chance to focus only on lacrosse, their best lacrosse is still yet to be played in their life. So, hmm. you know, I do think that there is a huge, huge, huge uh, push positively among college coaches. We will always take a guy that's a multi-sport athlete. You know, I would love for a guy that plays only lacrosse to be like, you know what, I'm going to try football as a senior this year. Or I'm going to try basketball. I'm going to see. And I might not touch the field or I might not get on the court, but I'm going to show up. I'm going I'm to work my butt off at practice. I'm going to cheer on my teammates because that is important. You've got to learn those skills because in college, not every single guy starts every single game for all four years. There's just not enough. So I do think those are good skills to learn.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's another thing that I find kind of unique about our sport is uh, the, you know, almost all coaches I talk to always, they tout the multi-sport athlete. I mean, it, like again, like I said, when I covered football, like you know, when you weren't, when you're done with football season, you started getting ready for the combine. Like that was, that was your right. moment to shine. Like basketball, they like, pretty much it's a year round sport. Like they play basketball, you know, when season's over, goes into AAU season and you know the travel season and stuff like that. I mean, not that they're, you know, lacrosse does have its summer recruiting stuff as yep. well, you know, but that's also unique about our sport too. Is there's not, you know college football coaches they can go to a high school game because they're usually not on the same day you guys are playing a lot of those same games uh on the same days that high schools are so you don't have that opportunity um but you know that that multi-sport i mean you, you look i mean obviously every super bowl we hear about chris hogan you know play, yep. who played lacrosse you know obviously well you know we, we may be hearing about pat spencer who played lacrosse you I know w- one yeah. day you know if if his uh first game at northwestern's any indication if uh those highlights keep up but uh you know yeah. i think it's another thing like those athletic seals they translate and i think like that's yeah. great to hear like i had not heard a coach say mention that you know that as far as the ceiling being higher um with those guys yep. because they hadn't focused bets, i think that's a really good point as well um, so you know, I had a couple kids ask me as far as like uh, the walk-on situation. Like, is walking on at a D- Division One thing? Is that is that a thing? Is that a potential uh, possibility for an athlete?
1: Hundred uh, percent. I will say, you know, I think at at different schools that the process is different, but um, I would imagine that almost every Division One program has a walk-on on their roster right now. If I had to guess, you know, I haven't done the the market research on it, but. Um, you know, I'll speak directly to our program. We have four or five guys that were straight up walk-ons that showed up on campus and, and made lacrosse a big priority for them and told us that, you know, it's something that I really want to try and I want to figure it out. You know, we had a guy uh, from New Jersey that showed up as, I'm going to try out as an attackman four years ago. And we were like, well, we're pretty deep at attack, but we are pretty light with defensemen. You're a pretty good lacrosse player. If you're willing to play defense, you'll you can stick around on the team. And the kid was like, I will literally do anything to be on the team. I don't care. Whatever I have to do, I can do it. So, you know, here's a guy that we've been fortunate. We've had the uh, number one man down unit in the country the last two years. But uh, he's a guy that I put on that unit. I rewarded as a junior and put him on the unit. And now that's his role for us. And, you know, that's a guy that, honestly, had he not even thought about walking on, wouldn't be part of that. And, you know, I think um, a couple things I will say about it is, generally as a walk-on a guy maybe that we're not aware of or we haven't seen or we don't know much about there is a limited time that you'll have to try out so you do have to try to move the needle a little bit so to speak Mm -hmm. a little bit sooner in your process um but you know coaches are dying for guys to show up and be the next success story in their program it exists um and then the other thing i'll say about that just to mention you know if you do want to walk on it's a positive thing but understand there's a pretty big commitment there. You know, if you're a walk-on, you're going to be treated like a guy that was recruited and brought in on a scholarship. You know, there's no different expectations just because you're a walk-on.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, if if anything, you know, we had a guy who uh, emailed us over and over and over for an entire summer. I want to walk on. I want to walk on. I want to walk on. First week of school. We meet with them to say, Hey, here are the expectations. You know, we practice during fall ball. We're Monday through Friday. We scrimmage on Saturdays in the spring. You know, we're, Six sometimes seven days a week, and the kids like, oh, I didn't realize you played on the weekends. I'm not interested anymore. You know, you've <laughs> got to be realistic about the expectations, and that's not a that's not just a Division One thing. A lot of high level Division Two and Division Three programs function like Division One programs. So yeah. you know, it, just because you're a walk on doesn't mean you're going to be treated any differently. You're going to be treated just the same if you make that team. Uh, your expectations will be as if you're somebody that was recruited and brought there, and a guy that's expected to c- contribute positively. And yeah. it might be being a great cheerleader on game day, or it might be eventually getting on the man down unit, you know, and earning your way up the ladder. But, you know, it's definitely a thing. I would definitely encourage guys to do it. There are success stories everywhere in the country every year. Um, But just understand that obviously you're you're going to be held to a high standard if you're a guy that's like, eh, I don't know if I want to play lacrosse. It might be a little bit challenging. If you're a guy that's like, I can't imagine now being in college and not playing lacrosse, it yeah. might be for you.
0: Yeah. And I got to imagine, like, there's got to be something um – um heartwarming for coaches to know that a kid like well he came here not knowing he was going to play lacrosse, and he wants to play lacrosse. Like at least one thing, you know. Well, he wants to be at Manhattan. We got you know, right. you got that one thing right. going for him. Rather than the kids just like, I'll play D one. I don't care where it is. Uh, at no least problem. they got that going for him. But you know, I've had many coaches tell me, um, you know, and not even just in lacrosse. In many sports, like you generally, like you have your athletics, you have your academics, and you have your social life. And generally, you don't get all three when you're a Division one athlete. Like something, right. something's got to give. Not to mean you don't get to be social at all, but you know if if you want to party on weekends division one athletics may not be for you because you guys will you'll be at games you'll be at practice or you'll just be too wiped between you know studying right. and stuff like that to yeah, to in like the it.
1: candle at both ends yeah yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, one, yeah no
0: one wants the kid that's dragging um on a on a saturday afternoon game when you're playing navy like you don't want that kid yeah by. no
1: <laughs> no question yeah there's a major time commitment and you know, I think there's something really rewarding about it. And there's a reason why, you know, and you leave, say you play four years of college lacrosse at a high level, division one, two, or three. There's a reason why those guys are more hireable at the end of the day. Um, you know, and I, I, we're fortunate, we're right outside New York city. So I have the opportunity to speak and be around a lot of people that hire a lot. And, you know, they talk about, they always look for athletes first. So, um, you know, there is something to be said for, yeah, it's going to be a grind. It's not going to be easy. Um, But, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would be an ACC athlete if it was easy and they could just pick where they wanted to go. So, you know, I think it would be, um, you know, I think it's a challenge, but it's totally worth it at the end of the day. You know, guys are really proud of themselves when they get to the end of the road. And there obviously is uh, a lot of lessons learned during that time. It's a major time management piece and finding a way to balance it, make it all work and have your fun. But at the same time, you know, you're going to work hard and you're going to be right back at it on Monday and you got to be ready to go.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So kind of wrapping up here, you know, I'm going to say the number one thing, realizing there's not one thing. Um, But what is the number one thing a recruit can kind of make themselves – let me rephrase that. What's the number one thing a recruit can do to make themselves the most recruitable player possible?
1: Sure, sure. And, you know, like uh, I said, you know, recruiting is an inexact science. So, um, you know, it's a variety of things. There's not always one thing and there's not always something that prevents you always Mm -hmm. Um, But what I will say, and I'll kind of go back to what I was saying before, um, one, everybody's situation is unique. You know, the big thing that you can't do is don't compare your process to someone else's process. Your process is different. It's your process. I could go in our locker room and there'd be 41 stories of how they showed up at Manhattan College, and they'd all be probably a little bit different if I had to guess. Um, But what I will say is, and I'll go back to kind of my big thing i preach this with our team, controlling your controllables. You know, you control your attitude. You control your effort. You know, we talked about, being a motor guy on the field that's something that stands out that goes beyond the scope of being blessed with six foot four 200 pounds and an unbelievable ability to run fast you know do you control your attitude do you control your effort are you a great teammate um, you know how you speak on the phone with a coach are you a guy that acts like you can't be bothered or are you a guy that if you agreed to get on the phone are you excited to be on the phone you know i think that's something that we evaluate as coaches you know i want to hang up the phone and be like i cannot wait to get this kid on our campus because i love that kid you know, and, and listen, you're getting to know us and I understand there's a certain level of nervousness and and uneasiness. Um, but, you know, try, try to come out of your shell a little bit. You, that's going to be part of being at college is you're going to have to come out of your shell a little bit. And you're just starting to expedite that process earlier in your life. Um, you know, and I want to hang up the phone and be like, wow, I, that kid was impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, that move you up a list. You know, how do you write an email? Do you have typos everywhere? Um, you know, do you email uh, you know, I know he was on your, your show a couple weeks ago, Coach Solchanak at Wagner. Hey, Coach Zolchanik, I'm interested in Manhattan for these reasons. <laughs> you know, that's something that you can control, you know, and, and control that stuff. Um, you know, how you act when you come on campus, you know, when your parents talk, do you roll your eyes behind them? You know, that's something that, that stands out to a coach. You know, like I said, we evaluate everything. You know, yeah. how are you really respectful? Are you excited? You know, coach, this is my mom, this is my dad, we're so excited to be here. You know, I think that's stuff that stands out to us. So um, you know, obviously, being able to shoot the ball 150 miles per hour with both hands, being able to run a 4 3 40, those are all things that are awesome. Um, But you, any coach in the country will appreciate a guy that is really motivated, really excited, plays really hard, knows how to write an email, is happy to communicate with you, is excited to be on your campus. I don't think any coach, no matter where they are, is going to be like, you know what, that guy can't fit here.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: You know, I think I think coaches will find a way to recruit guys like that in most cases. So. Um, that would be, I guess the number one thing is control what you can, you know, and, and be realistic about where you are. And, and you know what, if you reach out to a coach and they say, Hey, you know, we're done with our class. Let's move on to the next school. There's a ton of schools out there. There's a school for literally every kid that wants to play college lacrosse. There's the top schools in division one to schools that are starting up in division three. You know, they're everywhere in between. There's a school for you. So, um, you know, control your stuff and, and be open-minded would be the other thing I'd say. You know, I, I told you earlier, uh, Offline. I played at Gettysburg College. That was a school I grew up in Long Island. You know, earlier in the in the early 2000s, the Division three realm was not as popular, not as well known. And mm-hmm. you know, I looked at a bunch of Division one schools. I spoke with a bunch of Division one schools. and I ended up going to a uh, Division three school in the middle of nowhere, and it ended up being a great experience for me. You know, and had I not been open minded and at least willing to hear what they had to say, I would have never ended up there. I would have been like, eh, I'll just go somewhere else. You know, so yeah. um, you know, controlling your controllables and being really open minded and open to Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll go visit the campus and see, and maybe you show up and you hate it, or you go, "Wow, this really impressed me." I did, it's not what I expected at all. So yeah. um, I I promise you, I'd be long-winded. <laughs> I think I accomplished that, and I think I followed through for you there. Yeah,
0: I think you did. I think you did a great job. Um, so, coach, you know, thank you for being on. But before I let you go, like, tell people where can they um, follow you guys and follow Manhattan um, online. Like, where should they go and check you sure.
1: out? Sure. Sure. Um, so. Obviously, our website, our school website, GoJaspers.com. Obviously, you can find all the information about our school. Um, on Instagram, we're uh, at Manhattan underscore lacrosse. Um, and on Twitter, we are at Manhattan MLAX. So, um, you know, we're we're blowing it up every once in a while. It's a little bit of a quieter time for us. But, uh, you know, if you want to see some drills and, and learn about some of the guys in our program uh, and see some sites from around campus, you know, you can find us there.
0: Yeah. And I will have links to, to everything um, as well to, so everybody can kind of check you guys out. So, Coach, I cannot thank you enough.